Well, hey everyone, I'm Pastor Judd Wilhite, and I wanna thank you for joining us today. You know, Central's a place where it's okay to not be okay. And we are so glad that you're here. I hope you enjoy this message. Central family, how we doing? You guys excited to be here today? I was preparing for this message this week and I was just reminded how much I love this church. Do you love this church as much as I love this church? So good. Just gathering together weekly is the highlight of my week. And I I don't know, for those of you that are on social media, have you ever seen this sign guy that holds up these cardboard messages? He, you know, he's got, stands on busy street corners, holds up the important message of life in life, the, the important things we need to remember. Things like this one here, guac should be free which I I couldn't agree more. That's an agenda item I can get behind. Like don't charge us for guac or the avocado. Or this one here, reminder to cancel your free trial before they charge you. Some of you are gonna miss what I'm saying over the next five minutes because you're trying to cancel that free trial in church. Or this one here, ladies, buy your own hoodies. And she's standing next to him with a sign that says no. I feel like I have four females in my household that would also hold that no sign because my hoodies are fair game to the family. Well, if the Israelites had a cardboard sign to share their story, to to share a message that they were trying to get across, their cardboard sign would say captive. And they would say captive because they lived as slaves under the cruel rule of the Egyptians. And we're in our final week of this Break Free series where we've been looking at the Israelites' journey to freedom in the book of Exodus. And Exodus means the way out. And this is the story of how God freed the Israelites from their chains. And last week we looked at how God called Moses to stand up to Pharaoh to deliver him a message of let my people go or you're gonna suffer the consequences. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened. He didn't let the people go. And so Pharaoh and the Egyptians, they suffered 10 plagues. And after the 10th plague, Finally, Pharaoh gives up. He lets the people go, or so they thought. And as they were walking towards freedom, they realized Pharaoh changes his mind. He chases after the Israelites. They run into the Red Sea. They feel like they were cornered. But then we learned about how God opened up the Red Sea. He parted the Red Sea, allowed the Israelites to get safely to the other side. Once Pharaoh and the Egyptians chased them into the Red Sea, once all the Israelites were out, The waters crashed in over Pharaoh, crashed in over the Egyptians, completely wiping them out. So the the Israelite sign could now flip to something like free together because they're finally free. They're finally walking in their freedom. And I wonder if you had a cardboard sign, what would yours say? What message would your cardboard sign send? Like the Israelites, would it... Say something you need freedom from. Maybe for you, in your life, you need freedom from procrastination. Maybe you need freedom from perfectionism. Maybe you need freedom from health problems or depression or an addiction. Maybe for you, you just need to to learn to express emotions in a healthy way or a better work-life balance. Maybe you need freedom from the feeling of emptiness or lack of purpose. Freedom from rejection, setbacks. Maybe you need freedom from financial pressures. Whatever it may be, we can all have something we could use 
freedom in. We all have a piece of cardboard. We each have a story and each one of those stories is important and God's still telling and writing each one of our stories. And for the Israelites, you would think after all these miracles, after all this that they witnessed firsthand, that they would be joyful, they'd be grateful to God. But even when we experience freedom in one area of our lives, we have to be careful to stay free because it's so easy to slip back into old habits, into destructive patterns, isn't it? I mean, we see it firsthand with the Israelites. Let's check out what happens next in their story. And today we're gonna be in the second half of Exodus, starting in Exodus 16. And when we get to the red word, say that out loud with us. But it says, they arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. So where's there? The Bible tells us they arrive at Mount Sinai. They've left Egypt, they crossed the Red Sea, they're at Mount Sinai. It says there too, the whole community of Israel did what? complained about Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around with pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you've brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. Here we go again, the complaining, the grumbling, saying they'd rather be slaves in Egypt than uncomfortable in the wilderness. And let's look at the timeline here. So the Bible tells us they leave Egypt, they get to Mount Sinai. There's some, some translations, some scholars that say this would take about a month, 30 days. Others would say about two months. Then there's some scholars that would say this would take about three months. So let's just go conservatively and say three months, 90 days since they've left Egypt and they're now at Mount Sinai. This would mean in less than 90 days, they've already forgotten one of God's greatest miracles and bringing them a victory. This would be like us forgetting who won the Super Bowl back in February. You might be saying, who did win the Super Bowl back in February? I'll give you a hint. It wasn't the Dallas Cowboys. That's not a very good hint. I think that's kind of a given. This would be like if you were a Kansas City Chief fan forgetting that the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl back in February. Are there any Kansas City Chief fans in the room? Yeah, you didn't forget. The team didn't forget. The organization didn't forget that they just had this level of victory. And for the Israelites, this is a bigger victory than a Super Bowl win. I mean, this is their deliverance. This is their lives being saved. And in less than 90 days, that short of time frame, they get frustrated and they wanna go back. Like if only God would have killed us. They have the ultimate victim mentality. Don't you feel bad for me? I, I was a slave that sat around with pots full of meat. Life was good and now, now I'm in this desert. I don't have any food. I'm hangry and I wanna go back. But the funny thing is that this actually isn't true. In Egypt, it wasn't custom for the slaves to sit around with pots full of meat and eat all the bread and all the vegetables that they wanted. In fact, in ancient Egypt, even the common people didn't have access to meat. So you know that the slaves are gonna get less than the common people. Sitting around with pots full of meat and bread and vegetables, this is a gross exaggeration. But it's like they're sitting around going, oh, beautiful Egypt. How I long for you, how I, how I miss you. I picture them sitting around campfires in the wilderness just singing, country roads, take me home to the place I belong. 
Sweet, sweet Egypt. Mountain Pharaoh. Like they start rewriting history, imagining something to be better than it was. And we can do this in our own lives as well. You see, the Israelites escaped from the Egyptians, but then they fell into another kind of bondage. They became prisoners of their own discontent, of their own negativity. So the question is, how do we keep our freedom for the long run? How do we avoid being enslaved by what had us trapped before? How do we prevent adopting a whining and a complaining attitude? Well, we hold on to our freedom by holding on to each other. We're not meant to face life alone. So the first way we stay free together is we encourage one another. And the Israelites, they don't give us a great example of this at first. In fact, time and time and time again, they fail to be a community of encouragement. Well, let's just skip to the next chapter, chapter 17, and see what we read. It says, so once more, the people complained against Moses. Give us water to drink, they demanded. And hold on, hold on, I know you're ready, hold on. I wanna count us in on this, because sometimes the whiners, the complainers in our life, the, the negative people, we just need a chance to say this word with some passion. So I'm gonna count us into this red word, and you just, you let the whiners, the complainers hear it. You ready? Three, two, one. Quiet, Moses replied. Why are you complaining against me, and why are you testing the Lord? Complaining, complaining, complaining. You know what's scary is I've seen examples of this happen in me. And I've seen examples of this happen in our church community. Not all the time. We have a great church community. But there's sometimes if we don't protect it, we start to slip. We show up here. We made it. We made it to church. God started doing something incredible in our lives. He started working through us. He shows up, he does amazing things. But then over time, rather than staying a community that encourages people or, or a person that encourages people, what we do is we start to grumble. And maybe it's just in our own heads, but we start to grumble. We start to complain. We grumble about the small things like, oh, the parking lot was so crowded today. I had to park 20 spots further than I normally park. Or I got here late and, and I have my kids, I need to get them checked in. There's this long check-in line and I can't, why are so many people having kids? <laughs> or the music's too loud or the music's too soft. We sing too much or we don't sing enough or who is this guy and where's Judd? <laughs> or then... There's the worst. There's the, I walked into church and someone was sitting in my seat. Don't they know that's where I sit? We wish we had a piece of cardboard to write something like this and hold it up during worship. Like someone's in my seat, remove them. And instead of being a family that lifts each other up, we start to waste our energy on petty complaints about the church, about people. And the sad thing is, is that what this complaining does is it discourages those who need our support the most. Because life's full of challenges. It's hard. We face hardships that we all have to overcome and we can't get in the habit of making it harder by our own negativity. 
We're only going to be able to live free and overcome when we have each other's backs. Encouragement is the fuel that drives us. Check out what it says in Hebrews 10.25. It says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Has anyone ever woken up and felt like skipping church? Come on, you're in church, you can be honest, you don't have to lie. Yeah, you just woke up, you were, maybe you were tired, stressed out from the week, you're grumpy, you're just not in the mood. But then someone pushes you to come. Maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a, a neighbor, a coworker. Maybe it's your own conscience just telling you to get there and you didn't wanna go, but you showed up anyways. And once you left, you were so happy that you came to church, right? You ever had that feeling? I'll, I'll be honest with you. Even as a pastor, I still have those weekends. I still have those days where I don't feel like showing up. But I get ready, I get in the car, I pull into the parking lot, I walk into this building, I start interacting with many of you, hearing about how your week went, the good or the bad, being able to talk about, process out loud how my week went, lift each other up in prayer. And what I start to notice is through these conversations, that dark cloud, that cloud that's hanging over me, it starts to dissipate, it starts to fade away. And then I step into our experience, our worship experience. I start worshiping God, focusing more on him than I am myself. And by the time I get to this point in the experience, in fact, this happened today, by the time I got on this stage, all I could think to myself is there's no place I'd rather be than right here with you. And that shows me that I need community. We need community. If you're watching this from home right now, you still need community. If you're watching this inside a prison facility, you still need community. Don't do life alone. In fact, when we begin to feel lonely, that should serve as a reminder that God created us for community. We all need people around us, encouraging us, pushing us, challenging us, and just inspiring us to keep growing to seek God together through prayer and studying his word, to serve others and share what we're learning along the way. In Galatians 5.13, it says this, it says, for you have been called to live in freedom. And then don't miss this, but, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Serve one another in love. How do we do that? Well, one way we can do that is by taking notice of volunteers that we interact with every time we show up to church. Maybe that, there's that someone that's always at a front door, just so kind to you. Maybe that, a volunteer in our kids area that's just so good with your kids, so kind to your kid, just writing them an encouraging note or telling them an encouraging word, just showing your gratitude and thankfulness for them. Another way that we can serve each other in love is by sponsoring a kid to go to camp, kids camp, youth camp, if we have the ability to do that, there's a waiting list full of kids that wanna go experience camp, community, encouragement, what God has planned for their lives and we can serve them in love by help sending them to go. We can send our senior pastor an Instagram message, a Facebook message, just letting him know what he means to us, encouraging him, or maybe you can just find time to serve on the weekend. Just a little bit of time to show up at a front door yourself. You never know the encouragement your smile can bring to someone. It's a way you can serve them in love, but we can all serve in love, bringing encouragement to others. 
And I guess what I'm really trying to say is that criticism may show someone what they did wrong, but encouragement shows them what they can do right. Criticism, it shows others their defects, but encouragement shows others their prospects. We're here to encourage. We're here to be here for one another. And not only that, to stay free together, we're also here to rely on God together. And people often depend on God in moments of crisis. My kids, they do this with me as their dad. I can think of this one time in particular where my daughter Cosette, my youngest, she was given this stuffed animal that you're to heat up in the microwave. And when you heat it up uh, for a couple minutes, it just makes it warm and snuggly to go to bed with. And she walks down with this stuffed animal and she's gonna heat it up. And I said, let me help you with that, babe. And she's like, no, I got it. I'm like, well, let me help you reach the microwave. And as she's climbing up on the counter, she tells me, no, I got it. I'm like, well, let me help you set the time. She's like, dad, I read the instructions. I know how to work the microwave. I got it, I got it. She's got it. I walked into the other room. Not 60 seconds later, I hear a scream from the kitchen. Daddy! I come running in. My microwave is on fire. (laughs) Apparently there was some defect with this stuffed animal. She didn't do anything wrong, but she had it, she had it, she had it. But then in a moment of crisis, she didn't have it anymore. She needed her dad to put out the fire. And the truth is for us, we should depend on our heavenly father daily. Whether there's a fire or not, whether things are going well or not, whether we think we have it or not. In the Israelites journey, God shows them that he still has them. Right after they've done all their complaining, complaining about being hungry, look at what God tells Moses. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm gonna rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. I will what? Test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. And on the sixth day, they will gather food and when they prepare it, there will be twice as much as usual. So each day of the week, except for one day, they're to go out and they're to gather food for that day. And then they did this for 40 years. But in that 40 years, it taught them to depend on God for everything. So the Israelites are to go and gather this fresh manna, this bread-like substance that God sent down and They're to gather this manna each day, share it with those in their tent. But if you keep reading, when people would try to hoard it for themselves, they wouldn't share it. That manna, that would rot and be filled with maggots. And in the same way for us, the gift of God, it's not meant to be hoarded. The gift of God, which is Jesus, it's not meant to be kept to ourselves. In John 6 of the New Testament, Jesus himself compares himself to to the manna from heaven that God gave his people in the wilderness. He's comparing himself to this story, which means every day we're to depend on him. We're to learn from him, but then also that's meant to be shared. Share, and I wanna clarify, not shared like a know-it-all. I know sometimes we like to know it all and we we like to show off what we know. It's not meant to be shared like a know-it-all. We're just learning and growing together. We're learning all about how to follow Jesus together. We're just one beggar telling another beggar where the food is. 
That's all we are. And so each day we can depend on God together and share it. And there's different ways that we can depend on God together. One of those ways is one way we just experienced in our, in our worship experience where we get into that prayer moment. You just having the boldness to slip up your hand in prayer that you need prayer and allowing the church family to pray with you, that's a way that we depend on God together. Or maybe you stretched out a hand towards someone, you put a hand on someone's shoulder, lifting their prayer up to God, lifting them up to God. We're depending on God together. We're jumping into our Bible during the week, but then we're sharing what we're learning with others. Or one way that we can rely on God together is just as simple as inviting a friend, a neighbor, a coworker to church with you. But we rely on God together because relying on Jesus, that's a daily decision. And we long for his presence. We long for his guidance in the good times, the bad times, and everything in between. So together, we need to encourage each other. We need to rely on God together. And another thing that we need to do is we need to pray for each other. In the next part of the story with the Israelites in Exodus 17, they find themselves fighting this group of people known as the Amalekites. And this is a battle they did not ask for. This was a completely unprovoked attack. They're just walking along. They're heading towards the promise that God gave them. When all of a sudden this jealous king named Amalek, he attacks their rear ranks, which would have been known as a despicable act because what you're doing is you're attacking the most vulnerable from behind. So the Israelites, once again, they find themselves in this battle that they did not ask for. And when it seemed like the people were slipping, when it seemed like they were losing hope and they were starting to lose this battle, what Moses does is he goes to lift his hands in prayer to God. And when he does, something amazing starts to happen. When, when Moses raises his hands in prayer, the Israelites, they start to win the battle. But when Moses lowers his hands, they start to lose the battle. I wish I could do this with my favorite sports team. Like if I could raise my hand when the Vegas Golden Knights are losing and it would turn the whole victory around, when it turned the whole game around, you'd never see me put my hands down. I'd keep them up the whole time, every game. And so Moses in this moment, he recognizes this. In fact, if Moses had a cardboard sign in this moment, it'd just be saying like, hey, my hands are tired. Somebody help a brother out. Like if I drop these things, we lose. And it's amazing what those did when they realized that there was power in Moses raising his hands in prayer. In fact, in Exodus 17, it tells us Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses doing what? Holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. And as a result, Joshua, who was leading the Israelite army, overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. You see, they did it together. God wanted to teach his people that he fights the battles in life, that they could trust him, but God was also giving the opportunity to them to trust him together. It wasn't all on one guy. Now, we don't have to literally hold each other's arms up, but holding up each other's arms in our context is standing with one another in prayer. And there's always some way that we can be praying for somebody and every single one of us can pray. There's times that you need me to pray for you, but there's also times I need you to pray for me. And prayer is one of our best ways for us to just measure our own faith. If you wanna know how much faith you have, 
Just look at how bold, how intentional your prayers are. And you see this faith, these answered prayers all over our church family. Just a few of them that I can think of, there's Kyla. Kyla was diagnosed with endometriosis and she needed to have a surgical procedure. And she brought it to her church family. She had them lift her up in prayer and, and pray some bold prayers for her surgery, that God would do some healing before she even walked into that room. And when she did, when she went in for that surgery, they found that there was nothing to fix. She was already completely healed. There's Bob who was 13 when he began experimenting with drugs and alcohol and this turned into a 10 year addiction. His family tried everything they knew to try to help him, sending him to counseling, sending him to rehab to try to free him. But then during those 10 years, Bob's mom began praying that God would take over his life, that God would help him overcome this addiction. And then one day her prayer was answered and Bob is now 29 years sober. He's a pastor right here in this church, helping others overcome their habits, their hurts, their hangups. There's Wayne and Hannah who prayed to become parents. They had the church family pray with them that God would allow them to have a baby. And through their prayers and also through their trials, they learned that God was sending them a child in an unexpected way. He made a way to make their family whole through the adoption of their son, Robert. What a gift that adoption was to that family. And what about the 24 people that met at Oddfellows Hall back in 1962? They prayed that this church that they were starting, that it would reach the Las Vegas area, that you would show up to that church one day. They prayed for you before they even knew who you were. Or those that prayed that God would move in a big way and allow us to expand our movement through other physical location and God bless us with churches all around Nevada, Arizona, Alabama, Florida, Mexico, even as far as Australia. That God would use online technology to allow people to watch church from anywhere in the world. That there's those that prayed for inmates that God would send them a message of it's okay to not be okay and use our church to get behind prison walls and start breaking down spiritual walls with his message of his radical grace, that God can still use you sitting in a prison cell for, for a purpose. Or what about your neighbors, your coworkers, your family, your one friend who's far from God, your kids. Is there such a thing as a ridiculous prayer when you're talking to an infinite and all-powerful God? There's not. We can pray for one another and we can see God move in that. Praying for others is the ultimate expression of your love. We entrust ourselves and the, the ones we love to God who's the only one who can satisfy our every need. So pray for each other. Rely on God together. Encourage one another. And when we do all these things, it's because we walk together. And we walk together because we need each other. We need each other. There are a lot of people that I need around me, and it's because I have my own blind spots. And I've been blessed with an incredible family and friends, incredible coworkers, an incredible neighborhood, community. I've been blessed with an incredible church family. And I need people to walk with me in a lot of different ways, including walking with me spiritually. And in the story of Exodus, 
It doesn't end at the conclusion of the book. Exodus is a book that looks forward, looks forward to God's presence with his people, God moving with his people as they move into new territory, as they take hold of things that God's promised to them. In fact, if we go to the very end of Exodus, to Exodus 40, we read this. Now, whenever the cloud lifted from the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out on their own journey, following it. But if the cloud did not rise, they remained where they were until it lifted. The cloud of the Lord did what? Hovered over the tabernacle during the day and at night fire glowed inside the cloud so the whole family of Israel could see it. And this continued throughout all their journeys. See, God stays with the Israelites. He helps them, he shows them his presence. Now they've had some hard times. They had some setbacks, they had some mess ups, but God doesn't give up on them. He stays with them. He walks with them in the wilderness. And he's with us too in our journey through whatever our wilderness looks like. And we can use his example of never leaving us and then we can do that for each other. We can walk through this life together. And one way that we do this here at Central is through a ministry known as Celebrate Recovery. Listen, if, you, if you've ever been trapped, if you ever felt like you've been cornered in life, Celebrate Recovery is a community of support. It's a safe place for you to experience freedom in your life. Just people who've been right where you are and found hope. We're gonna walk with you. We're gonna pray with you. We're gonna encourage you. We're gonna rely on God together. We're gonna speak Jesus over you because only Jesus has the power to set us free. And he's freed so many people in our church family through their struggles. Many that have experienced the Celebrate Recovery community, but then many others just through relationships in this church, just making sure no one's doing life alone. In just a moment, I want you to meet a few of these individuals today. They had people praying for them, walking with them, encouraging them, speaking Jesus over them, praying for their pain, praying for their addiction, praying for their struggle. They're gonna share their cardboard sign story. Just a few short words on one side showing what kept them in bondage, what tried to steal their hope, what they thought was their future but then cheer real big for them when they flip that sign over because that other side, that side, that shows what happens when you give it all to Jesus. I just wanna speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus And I just want to speak the name of Jesus Till every dark addiction starts to break Jesus 
So back to my question from earlier. If you had a cardboard sign, what would yours say? For me, the front side would say straight. Because there was a moment in my life that I knew what God did for me. In fact, I even named Jesus my personal Lord and Savior at a young age. I knew the future he had for me. But then early in, our, in my young 20s, I forgot. I strayed away from God. I started living a life that I wasn't proud of. But then just like God promising to be the shepherd that he is that will leave the 99 to go find the one, he found me, he rescued me, he showed me what his love still looks like. Has God been showing you some things in your life that you need to change? some things you've been fighting for a long time and they're not going away by themselves. Some things that you've told yourself, like this time I'm gonna overcome it, I, I've got it, but you've been living with this for so long, you can't imagine life without it. Maybe God's asking you to give something up, but you're just too scared to face it. It's time to speak Jesus over it. For you to have your own cardboard sto story, but. This starts by you naming Jesus your personal Lord and Savior, handing it over to Him. That's where you find freedom. And if you wanna do that, I wanna give you that opportunity right now. So if I could have everybody bow their heads and close their eyes. If you wanna name Jesus your personal Lord and Savior, just reach out to Him right now. Pray these words that I'm saying, pray them after me. 
but say them to God yourself. Let them come from you. Just say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know that that sin separates me from you, but I know you sent Jesus to forgive me of those sins. He died on a cross for those sins, but then he rose again, forgiving me of those sins. So I ask that now, God, forgive me of my sins. I name you my personal Lord and Savior. Give me a new name. Give me a new story. And we can pray these things because of the powerful name of Jesus. And church, if you're tired of being held captive in that addiction, speak Jesus over it. If anxiety is controlling your life, speak Jesus over it. If you're going through grief or loss, speak Jesus over it. If you feel hopeless or trapped by depression, then speak Jesus over it. Speak Jesus over the trauma and the hurt. Speak Jesus over the financial pressures. Speak Jesus over the rejections and the setbacks. Speak Jesus over the health problems. Speak Jesus over the anger. Just speak Jesus. Reach out to Jesus. You see, only Jesus can set us free. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe and review this podcast and connect with us on social media by following at Central Online. You can also contribute to what God is doing through Central. You can simply visit centralchurch.online slash give, and you can give a gift today. And thanks again for joining us on the Central Church Podcast.